When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's it, everybody. We are back, and this is the HTML All The Things episode, another edition this week of Full Stack Struggles. This is Full Stack Struggles, episode number two. I was at the gates of tutorial hell. Uh, this <laughs> title is as funny as it is ridiculous, or at least it is to us. I had a, you know, I was stuck on a coding problem, how to get unstuck from coding. Uh, should I restart my coding? All these different things. And then I was telling Mike about how I just started going down a rabbit hole of tutorials. And I was like, man, I was kind of at the gates of tutorial hell. And that's how that episode. Uh, it immediately stuck, like immediately, like, oh, gates done. <laughs> done. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully it's SEOable. Hopefully it's okay. But if that I don't sounds even interesting, care at this point. You know, <laughs> it is a good episode. Like you could, we should. Oh man, we should. We should like commission somebody to make us like a DVD cover, like one of those direct to DVD movies. I was at the gates of tutorial hell. Just some <laughs> some ridiculous art for it. Some uh, case art, AI art, AI art. We could AI art it as well. Um. I've been doing the AI art for our website just for the thumbnails uh, on our podcast. And every week I just can't like I just have the most ridiculous ideas. I'm like, oh, well, Mike's talking about TypeScript. I'm like, what if we just had a in a cartoon style, a, a panda writing a script with a little artist hat on? And that's I our that <laughs> so most of those, not all of them, but most of those uh, thumbnails are just things that literally come to me in the moment. Like I'm like, oh, I'm about to upload the show notes. Well, so the word script is mentioned. sounds artsy. Sure. And then there goes that idea. Uh, but if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating in your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server. Or share this with your friends. But before we kick off this episode, as we normally would right now, we're not going to do our positions of the week. We are going to actually acknowledge the episode number, which we've said we're not going to because this is a milestone episode. Uh, this is episode 250, 250. God damn. 250 of these my god a quarter of the way to four digits which actually doesn't sound like that sounds like it's very far away now well after i said that a quarter of the way to four digits sort of like why even acknowledge the four digits but um we wanted to acknowledge this uh this milestone by uh, asking uh, doing a bit of a q a we have a couple of sort of scripted questions and then we're going to ask each other one random question pertaining to the show and then we'll kick off the episode so mike Things we've learned so far. What do you think are like sort of the highlights of the things we've learned so far? I think for me, like this doesn't change too much, like milestone to milestone. Consistency is still key. You know what I mean? Like just having an episode out every week, almost no matter what, like we've missed a couple weeks here and there, but it's been very, very minor. Um, and finding topics that you're kind of excited about. I think that's probably my newest thing. I, I just I know like a lot of times you're searching for the topics that are going to be interesting to the community or, you know, do better in terms of downloads and stuff like that. But overall, if you can find that like, OK, here's the keywords that we need to hit. But in those keywords, can we find topics that are actually fun to do and fun to make and, you know, do a deeper dive onto them? Like we've done much deeper podcast episodes lately because I think we're both getting more passionate about the topics that we're talking about. So I don't know if that lines up with your kind of things that that you learned so far or you, do you have different ones? Uh, I would agree with that, but coming maybe from a different direction or motivation. So when we first sort of started the show um, and when we first started even the website or just uh, blogging on other third-party services like Medium and that, uh, about web development or otherwise, one of the things that I sort of thought was, hey, you know, you know, I'll write about my experiences and they're more personal experiences. And they're whether whether it's about a video game, whether it's about web development or whatever I'm writing about, that's what I'll kind of write about. But then we, you know, started to realize, especially maybe about a year or two ago, and then 
we really know it now is that you really need to kind of make something for the community. So it still needs to be something that we're passionate about because it, it enhances the content, but it, we do need to, uh, focus on something that people would want to listen to, would want to share, especially if they're a stranger. That sort of, I'm going to call it like sort of journalistic content. Maybe that's, I mean, that, that's definitely the wrong word. Maybe like something where like I write about my own personal experience would say that would be something that'd be in my personal journal. And people who know me might be interested in that. People who listen to the show, you know, say religiously w- may be interested in that. But we want to appeal to as many people as possible. And you can't always cast the wide net as you, you and I were talking about earlier, Mike. We can't, you can't always cast the wide net. Sometimes you need to, uh, you know, go to, go toward a niche of a niche even. But, um, if that's something that you and I have definitely learned is, you know, SEO friendly, this and that. And it's, it's not just what it seems like it, being SEO friendly kind of seems like, Oh, you're just trying to clickbait everybody. And it's like, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that and that's across the internet. There's a little bit of that across the internet for SEO stuff, but really um, good SEO articles are oftentimes like very valuable. They have lots of information. Um, Google can read into that stuff. And some people do game the system. That's where your clickbaitiness comes in. Um, but you do need to sort of make things for the community. So I think that's my sort of main learning point in terms of topics. That makes sense to me. Uh, I, th- I think it's a good balance between the two of us right now, like focusing on both the kind of what's interesting to the community and what's interesting to us. I think that's the key here. That cross section there is where we're going to have the most success no matter what. But with that, um, I'll ask you the next question, Matt, as well. Where do you think we're going? Like I, we've talked about this many times between each other, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on like the direction of the podcast. Well, this is interesting because this stems from uh, a, a little sub show that we used to do called Before the Show, and we used to do Before the Show is a little episode we'd upload a little MP3 file or WAV file onto Patreon. We used to record that literally before the show, and one of them was, uh, I believe, it was titled uh, "It's Time to Be Proud of Our Work," and it was sort of like a a reflection on, and I'm just doing this from memory. I didn't re-listen to it, but it was sort of a reflection on, you know, it was a new year at that point. And it was sort of uh, a look at, you know, Hey, you know, we got, we have some great projects that we're doing some great clients we're working with, you know, all that's fantastic, but I would like to be sort of personally proud of something where I like, you know, get to show something off and say like, Hey, I built that site. Hey, I built this. Hey, I built that. Um, and so that's where I think we're kind of going because you and I've had, you know, content conversations and this is very conceptual. This isn't a promise that we're going to do this, but you know, I, I'm doing this passive income app as such as, or which is fueling, excuse me, the, the full stack struggles episodes. I'm doing this little passive income app to learn Svelte and Svelte kit. And, um, one of the things that sort of kind of comes to mind is, you know, once I'm done this project, whether it's you know public, whether it's not, whether people like it, whether people don't, it's still pretty cool to have it out there. And you and I used to do stuff like this with uh, a couple of Chrome extensions, a Chrome app. We made a game at one point, things like that. We used to do stuff like that. And so, um, and so, like I, I'm, I'm like ready to start doing that again. And I think, and I'm excited for this direction because. Stemming from the the first answer where, you know, building stuff for the community, it's going to be a, a cool way to say, hey, you know, I was working on this passive income app. Maybe you don't care about passive income, but I learned Svelte stores. Well, hey, maybe I'll write an article on that and then share that. We'll have an episode on that, whatever sort of fits the bill, whatever sort of fits that week. And then, you know, move on to the next thing. Hey, I, you know, the passive income app is done. What's the next thing? Oh, maybe I'll do a design challenge. Maybe I'll do this and that. And then these are sort of like almost like notches in the belt, if you will, of like, hey, I built that. I built that. I built this because a lot of the stuff that I just talked about with clients have had to been uh, have, have had to be secret. They're behind NDAs. They're very secretive. Or we can say, I worked on this app. And it's like, what did you do? web development. And then that's it. You can't really get into it because of NDAs and because of uh, the private nature of a lot of the stuff that we had been working on. And so, or, or we were just hired to like help maintain something, you know, Hey, I have this WordPress site. Can you help me maintain it? And it's, we didn't build it, you know, and that's great. That's, you know, whatever. It's great work for us. It's great money, but it's time. It's time to be like sort of proud of stuff that we build uh, and hopefully builds like pretty well from scratch. What about you, Mike? Where do you think we're going? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Being proud of everything that we put out there, I think, is really key. Uh, I really do want to get back to that mentality of like building stuff together. Um, the the best the the best memories I have 
in development is still probably us like grinding out something like uh, eight, the, the uh, clicks to riches game, <laughs> as well as uh, no BS news for Reddit, like us just sitting there and just smashing our heads against the wall, even though a lot of that was frustration. But like the memories I get from that and the experience and the knowledge and the sharing shareable stuff that we've come up with has been fun. So I think we got to find time to do that together and translate those experiences into podcast episodes, um, both in a way of entertainment and in a teaching sense. Because what we do a lot of the time is sometimes wrong, sometimes right, but we can teach the things that we did wrong and uh, teach the things that we did right as we go through our experiences. And I want to help developers kind of find that line of learning but still having fun while doing it. I think that's the key here because I think a lot of people get burnt out really quickly when they're learning development because it's such a big and enormous task that because there's a lot of content out there and a lot of it is really monotonous. I want to have a little bit of that, hey, this is an interactive way to learn, a different way to learn. And I want to build more content, whether it be more podcasts or sites or courses, whatever, around that ethos, if that makes sense. I mean, absolutely. Like it is because we have like a, I would say like sort of a different working relationship in which like, you know, we'll touch base two or three times a week and like kind of have one meeting a week right before the show usually. But we're not working on the same thing where it's not like, hey, you know, I got us a new small business client that's on WordPress or Webflow or needs a custom site. And then you and I, you know, tackle it and go in and do it. Like, I'll update you on stuff and say, hey, this person wants to leave. Hey, this person wants to come aboard. This person wants maintenance. This person doesn't. I'll kind of give you like the, the Coles notes of what's happening, uh, on that front. But like, we don't like really work together on that stuff. Like, you're not on, you know, one of our WordPress maintenance like jobs with me, uh, doing that. So it is a bit of a different relationship. And like, it was fun building those things. So, you know, having, uh, say the motivation and the reason like to, to, to say, Hey, you know, it'd be cool to build this tool for developers or this website would just be cool to look at. Why don't we do that and then get some great educational content for our audience out of it, get some a cool podcast episodes, some written stuff, maybe a YouTube video or something. That's I think definitely where we're going. And then uh, it's going to be you know more fun to work together. I think again on projects like that. Agreed. I think that's that's where I want to go, and that's where we're headed. Um, but I think we're on the random question time. Let's get these over, go over with, and move on to the full stack struggles. Um, okay, my random question to you is, what do you find the most difficult about making a weekly web development podcast? Um, so this is a weird one. Uh, in thought but not in practice, I always worry about the next week's topic. I'm always thinking to myself, holy crap, you know, we're at this point, 250 episodes in, that's 250 topics. Obviously, some have been reiterated because they've been revisited or re re redone in, in some capacity. Some are interview episodes, so they handle themselves. But what about these independent topics? Are we going to run out of these independent topics? You know, what's going to happen? And I think about this not so much anymore. Like it's sort of just an automated, uh, an automated thing in my brain now since we've been doing this for so long. But it's sort of this thing where I, I, I think, you know, oh God, <laughs> you know, what are we going to do next week? But then as the week goes on and we work on something, especially if it's my topic, because you and I will alternate topics each week. As the week goes on, I like get stuck on something or I finish something or I, uh, you know, someone has a weird error on their site and I go and I fix it. I'm like, man, okay, that was weird. I can do a topic on this or around this and I can have a discussion on this. And then it just sort of flows. So that I think is the bi uh, the biggest hurdle in thought, but then in practice, it's easy. I was going to ask you a question of, so there's lots of like, there's lots of ways to share content now. You have your vertical videos, which are short. You have your literally your YouTube shorts, your Instagram reels. You have those type of things. And then you have, you know, long form videos, even on YouTube. We talked about it, like video game retrospectives, uh, video essays, uh, people doing audio books on there on various topics, whatever. Where do you see podcasting in there? And do you think we need to 
add more to our feed? Do we need to do web news, which is usually a shorter show? Do we even need, do we even need to bother with that stuff? We do do TikTok, but it's not, you know, obviously not full podcast episodes. What do you think on sort of the form factor, I guess you could say, of the show? Yeah, it's a good question. Like I've been constantly thinking about if we need to do a video version of the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So just have talking heads um, while we're doing this and release that on YouTube. I come to the the thought of like, if we were to do that, I would want to add in some sort of visual content to it. So whether it be like, hey, let's quickly break down this uh, code that we're talking about. Like, so we're talking about CSS selectors, for instance, I would love to be able to just quickly throw up a code pen and like show an example of something that we're talking about sometimes. The issue that I have there is that then that negates the audio stuff completely. So if someone's listening to it in the car, that whole conversation of us talking about the code on the screen, we can try our best to make it easy to understand in an audio sense, but it's not going to, it's not going to go one to one. And I think we'll lose some of that audio only thought. So I think what's, better is for us to find more interactive and unique ways to talk about the more difficult topics, the more in-depth topics in audio and have YouTube, instead of it being like a, uh, just, you know, a, a talking heads, have YouTube be our way of sharing the little concepts that we do want to talk about. So for instance, if we're talking in an episode about CSS selectors, right? What we can do is after we finish talking, like actually doing the episode, we can go on YouTube and actually create content around the conversations that we had, right? And then link them inside the episode's show notes. With And then that's your visual aid if you, that's your visual aid, if you yes. learn better that way, for example. Yeah. And and to, to make it even more like of a call out to us during the podcast episode, if we feel it necessary – so if we're like, oh, I, you know what? I need to show you guys this. We're going to make a video on it. So when the podcast comes out, make sure to go to the show notes. And that will be an indicator for us. We'll either write it down right away or when you're listening to the episode, be like, oh, shit, we forgot to make this video. And that'll force us to make that video. So a more interesting content out there. So it's a way for us to make more videos and way more relatable videos to the content that we're already creating on the podcast. So it's a it's a visual aid to a podcast rather than being a visual podcast. That's interesting. I don't mind that at all because each of those things could stand on their own, but then they also complement each other for someone that's really stuck, let's say, on CSS selectors. And if that's the topic of the week, they can go wherever they need. And, oh, I'm a more of a visual learner. I'll do that. But I like long-form content. Maybe I'll listen to the show and check the YouTube channel out. That's a cool idea. I like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh that's that's episode 250. That's conclude. No, um, <laughs> that concludes this episode. Thanks for turning into full stack struggles. I was at the gate of tutorial hell. That's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the entire story. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, no, 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 of course not. So I do want to talk about this project I'm working on. Like I said, full stack struggles number two. Very, very brief recap. If you're not, uh, if you didn't listen to the first episode, basically full stack struggles is a, is a, is an episode, uh, where I'm working on a passive income tracker app. And it's just for me. My goal is to try to do something in, um, modern web development, full stack development. So right now I work on, I work with our small to medium business clients on everything from Webflow to WordPress to custom sites to Couch CMS to, working with IIS hosting and regular hosting. And so I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none, and I rarely touch anything sort of, say, modern web development, especially not modern full stack development. So I'm trying Svelte slash Svelte out, and that's what I'm building this project in. And I'm attempting to knock the rust off my JavaScript, my vanilla JavaScript knowledge, because it is rusty. At the same time, I'm trying to learn Svelte slash Svelte And so that's what this project is all about. And I did the first episode, um, you know, over a month ago and I'm back now. We got busy at work. So I hadn't sort of done the app. I hadn't done anything with it. I thought about it and maybe sort of played with some stuff, but no sort of GitHub pushes or whatever, no uh, pushing to the repo at all. And so after about two months of absence, I kind of returned or I fully returned to this passive income app. And that was actually just last week. Um, as of recording this. And the idea was, you know, I'm going to do a, like a week or two or even more. 
And I'm going to try to hit some sort of milestone with the app. I'm going to try to get it all working uh, locally. So all on the client side, get it all working with just some local storage and stuff. And then I'm going to try to transition slowly into the more full stack stuff. So adding a uh, an, uh, an authentication system by probably connecting to a service that offers authentication services. And then I would save the various uh, passive income sources that the user can create. I would save those in the user profile and then various users could log in those type of things to get a little bit of backend experience. And none of that happened. Uh, the app itself is largely the same. There's a bunch of just random sort of functions kicking around that I've been practicing stuff. And Mike and I had a, a long meeting yesterday where we shared screen and tried to get uh, everything sort of sorted out. Now, the reason why I got, say, nothing done is because I had gone on that hiatus for two months and it was very difficult to kind of get my bearings. Like it's looking at the project. It's like, uh oh. You know, I'm, I'm, I was new to Svelte back then. And when I say Svelte, I mean Svelte slash Svelte Kit because they're both installed together, however that that relationship is. And, uh, and I'm like, hmm, OK, like, like, where am I here? And I've kind of like I do remember some of my Svelte knowledge, but I kind of don't. And so I'm kind of like poking around the code, reading through it, trying to figure out what some things do, how some things work. And I, I learned that I forgot a lot of my f- sort of fringe topics that I had uh, touched on. So things that maybe I didn't fully understand yet, or uh, maybe I only touched on once. Like, for example, if Mike showed up because I asked him for help a couple of times and he helped me do something and I only had to do it that once, you know, oh, I only had to pull in these dynamic uh, form fields once. So, you know, I'm not going to have any sort of practice doing that. So I'm going to forget it, of course. So this sort of like lack of bearings really resulted in two struggles. The first struggle was direction. Um, what basically happened was I wasn't sure what to work on next and why. And I had to familiarize myself with the app again. And I'm talking about the app, just looking at it. I'm not talking about the technical stuff. Obviously I'd been reading through the functions and all those type of things, but I was really struggling on what's the next feature of this app. You know, was I working on anything Was anything half done? Was there a next step that I was about to do? And I really didn't have any sort of answer for that. And this issue is probably very uh, exemplified by the fact that we're very prominent because the project that we're working on here has no official plan, has no designs or anything. This is just a learning project. And this really shows the importance of having a good plan when going into something, especially if it's not a learning project like this, I can flounder like this on a learning project. And that's the point of a learning project. Flounder, make a bunch of mistakes, screw things up, do things in the wrong order. It's a mess. And then the goal is to learn how to make it not a mess effectively. But really, you know, in a if you were to build something for a, uh, a client, build something that you think is going to come into production, having a great plan even if it's going to change and it almost always will is still a foundational piece that will give you direction. So if I had a plan here, chances are, if it was detailed enough, I'd be able to look at it and go down, you know, let's say a timeline or milestones or even just a feature list. And I'd be able to pick a feature list. If there's a timeline, I'd be able to see where approximately in the timeline or where in the milestones I was and be like, okay, we're half done step four. I'll start on step four and get, you know, start halfway into there and finish step four, then on to five, then on to six. And that never happened. So this is a, a, a bit of a, a learning curve that's not felt related, but more project management related that I learned. Yeah. I think, um, just to circle back a little bit to just coming back to a project as well. Um, that is way more difficult than it seems. For me, it's a hurdle that I like struggle with hugely when I'm, whenever I'm, even for a paid project, like even for a contract, usually what happens is you, you know, submit the contract, everything goes well, the, the app is built, it's running, and then maybe three or four months down the line, you'll get contacted and be like, hey, something's not working or we want to add another feature. The way I scope that out is I actually leave like two days usually of time just to refamiliarize myself with the project. So even if the feature only would take me a day to build out, I give like three days for that feature just because I'm so far behind in where I am that I need a couple days to figure out what's going on. Now, having built software many times over the past, you know, eight years, uh, I'm getting better 
at jumping back into a project that I've built myself. Uh, but it's still difficult, like regardless of the fact that I've created as clean of code as I can, and I've documented some things, I still need to make sure that I can remember how to start the development environment. What's the um, de- deployment process? How do I back stuff up? Like all of that is stuff I do before I even touch the feature that I need to work on in the next the next feature. So having a little bit of an extra step of like, hey, I'm coming back to this after, you know, even two weeks of not doing it. Instead of looking at the next feature, I think an idea is like refamiliarize yourself with the project, launch it, play around with it, try to change little things here and there, colors, uh, images, whatever, just to get familiar with the concepts that you've been, that you've learned before. It's going to be faster than from zero, from the zero, but you still need that little bit of time. And as you're going through that process, when you're learning, when you're again, like learning the same concepts, you're going to remember what you're working on next. And it is always a good idea to keep like a Trello or a sauna or like some sort of a to-do list of tasks, because especially when it's not something you're going to be working on on a daily basis, when you come back, you can go back to that and be like, okay, this is what I need to work on. So there's a few different kind of techniques that I've liked to use uh, to get myself back there, but it is for sure a challenge, not just for you, Matt, but for pretty much anyone coming back to a project. And this is this is true, not even in SvelteKit and Svelte as well. It's it's even in WordPress where you're like, what what did your site have again? You know, what you know, what where was this? Where was that? Is there custom code? You know where like what theme are you using? Like is this Elementor Pro? Like what is this? And just to sort of get your bearings, it can take a while. Even just flipping through, because you'll flip through and be like, I, "I, I got it. Like I know where everything is." And then you'll look and be like, "Wait a second, but none of these, none of these, uh, none of these inventory items are any WooCommerce, but WooCommerce is installed." Okay, look in. Oh, we got two things going on here, and then you kind of keep peeling back the layers, peeling back the layers. So a couple of days, sort of leeway there, sounds like a sounds like a good idea. Uh, the second sort of struggle that I had with returning to this project was actually Googling. And this includes asking Bing AI and asking, uh, well, I, I just use Bing AI this time. So asking Bing AI uh, for help as well. But when I finally did decide on a feature that I was going to start coding up and decide like what the next step was, I struggled with what to even Google. So I have, I, I noticed that I just had a, a lack of understanding as to what was available to me and how those things worked. So I didn't understand what bind did really. I didn't understand what prop was. I know we had used it and I could see it being used with components, but I didn't have a full understanding of it to the point where I could be like, oh, I need a prop here, you know, type thing. And so my searches when I was finally starting to work on this thing were just straight up the wrong searches. They were, I was asking the wrong questions. They, it, it just really wasn't all that helpful. And it, it really kind of was discouraging. And I asked AI as well. I was like, hey, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? Well, how would I do this? How would I move this around? And I'm just asking the wrong question. So I'll, I'll lay out the scenario that I have. So basically you click on add and you're trying to add a passive income source. And there's a drop down list. And I have uh, two options in the list that are functioning. The first one is dividends. So when you click on dividends, a form gets populated dynamically and you get to choose the stock ticker, which is the little short form for the stock. You get to choose the yield. You type that in. So maybe you make a dollar twenty a year per share. And then you type in how many shares you how many shares you have of that. Those fields are automatically formatted for currency, for, um, you know, just being three, three or four characters long, whatever. They're all pre-formatted and they get pulled in and each of them is their own component. And so they get each pulled in dynamically. Uh, and then there's another one in there as well, which is um, for, uh, I think it's reg- rental income. So if you have a, a house that you that you rent out, you might you you might type in a name like you know house one, and I make two hundred dollars off in a month or something like that. And what I was trying to do was I wanted to start to save those uh, bits of information that people were filling in into sort of profiles. So I wanted to, if I have you know I have one share of uh, Apple and I uh, make a dollar off it a year, fill all that in, and um, these are all just made up numbers by the way. But I just you know fill all that in. I click add new. It should save it somewhere. And my goal was to save it, you know, just locally. But I didn't know how to grab all of the, I didn't know how to grab all of the, uh, it, 
the values from the the form. And so I was using some I was using some you know, JavaScript ways to do it. I was using elements uh, like got dot dot get elements by class name. I was using this and that. And I uh, at this point, because I was kind of stumped and sort of running in circles, for lack of a better way to say it, I started asking Mike, I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I've engineered this solution in my head where I'm, I'm not sure how to you know, svelte this or JavaScript this, but I want to take all the values from the form. The form is dynamic, so it changes depending on what the user has selected as their income type. And I want to have it so that that stuff gets saved into an array. And then I want to have when it's time to save, when it's time to save these things, I want to have that array, which is kind of messy, be taken, iterated through, and then cleaned up and then thrown into what I call the clean array. And that array was filled with objects. And those objects were very sort of clean, like type dividend. This is the yield. This is the ticker. Next, type rental income. This is the name of the house. This is the name. This is how much they're making. And th that was my idea. And this led me to research. Um, this led me to uh, sort of make the solution in, in just JavaScript with the elements by class name with this, with that. That is when I had been asking my questions all along, but that's when Mike was saying, Hey, you know, you shouldn't need get elements by class name. You should use bind. So I thought, okay. So I start Googling how that works. I start playing with it. And I'm trying to figure out how to, I'm binding in one of the components. Remember, each of these form fields is a component. And I'm trying to move that data into a variable that I can use in a parent component. The parent component is where the form field is. and is where it's being pulled into. And I can't figure out how to do that. And I don't know what I'm doing. So then some people are like, hey, use Svelte stores. So I'm like, okay, how do I use that? And then also, how do I get local storage working? So I mess with local storage and stores sort of simultaneously. I get local storage working just by literally setting a value just to see if I could get it to work within my Svelte. Okay, great. Got that to work. Then I start messing with stores. And then I talk to Mike again. And he was like, you know, I don't really know if you need to use stores right now. So I was like, okay. So then I start using other things like I'm still looking up the bind thing. I'm still looking up. I'm still looking up other things. I'm, I'm looking up, you know. Can I use props somehow? Can I use a prop and put that in a variable in the parent component and then have have that, you know, within two components? Can I sync these up or, you know, what, what how do I sync these values? And then that led me to reactive statements. And if this sounds like I'm meandering, it's because this is literally what was happening. I went from reactive statements. Then I went to queries and then I went in full circle and I started going back to stores where people were leaving comments like, you know, you could use queries, but I would, you know, I would use I would use stores and then people would be like, well, you know, you could just use the elements by class name or you could just use binds. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. I'm going in circles. I know I don't have enough sort of foundational knowledge in this technology and I'm starting to feel the pressure. Now there's no pressure from like a boss telling me, yo, what the heck are you doing? The pressure is for me because it felt weird. Having been in this industry for a long time, I'm sitting down here now for a few hours, a couple hours at least. And I don't have any work completed. I've just been looking, 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 looking. I don't really even have many test cases. I have this vanilla JavaScript method that we're trying to replace that's half working because just, just as a proof of concept to myself. And I haven't produced any results. And at this stage of my career, that's pretty bizarre. And that's when I knew, okay, I'm stumped. This is, I think, a place that a lot of junior developers get stuck in um, and even senior developers at some point will get stuck where they just like take two days to do something and they make zero progress or even sometimes negative progress. I've had that happen before where I realized, hey, this method before I was doing was wrong. So now I've actually negated some of the progress that I thought I had done before. Um, so that is really difficult mentally to conquer, acknowledging that you're in that phase of like, okay, you just need to kind of look at it from a different angle, maybe step away for a bit, uh, try it a different way, get or just get it working kind of thing in, in whatever, like try stop looking for the optimal solution. There's many different ways that you can go about this. And Matt's going to talk about some concrete ways in the next segment. But like just acknowledging that you're in that spot helps. Because when you're not acknowledging it, you're just thinking that you're failing on a consistent basis. And the reality is, is that this is part of the process for a lot of different things. Almost all the code that I write initially isn't perfect. 
Whether I rewrite it or not, that's a different question. But as the project gets bigger, as the project gets farther along, I find myself going back and rewriting some of it, adjusting some of it to work better and realizing my mistakes as I go through it. So it's it's okay to be stuck and it's okay to make those mistakes and it's okay to do things the non-efficient way uh, because if it becomes a problem down the line, you can go ahead and fix it. You'll have a better idea because you're already farther in in your learning journey or in your development journey, wherever. And that's the mentality of like trying to just go forward, trying to consistently fail and move forward and fail and move forward because that's the reality of your position as a developer. Like that's what we do. We fail on a consistent basis and we just take that failure and we just keep fixing it and fixing it and fixing it until we have a complete product. That's probably not going to be perfect anyway. Yeah, there was a, what came to mind immediately was there was an episode or a video by uh, Kyle from WebDev Simplified that showed refactoring. And this was a number of months, if not years ago now. And just kind of speaking about it from memory, but he was showing how, you know, this is how a junior dev will like code. This is how he codes. And then this is how sort of a quote unquote pro codes. But he was saying that even though he's been in the year, the, uh, the industry for years, you know, he codes one step, say below the pro that middle tier, that's his original coding. And then he will refactor and it's closer to the pro. And that's exactly sort of what you're talking about here, where, you know, I absolutely could have just went with the vanilla JavaScript way using just what I knew from Svelte, which was maybe some store stuff at this point, you know, moving a little bit of stuff around local storage, because I've used that with uh, with JavaScript a number of times, just vanilla JavaScript using local storage. And so I could, you know, go ahead and I could, if this was a production app and someone's like, Matt, you have to get this thing. It's like, Jesus. So I could have done that. You know, I could have done that. But the whole point of this learning exercise is that, no. I want to learn the Svelte slash the Svelte kit thing. So it's a good thing to bring up, Mike, is that like if you're someone there that, you know, don't spin your tires forever. If there's a an appropriate but just maybe not optimal method that it it's going to be way faster for you or it's going to hit the customer's deadline, it might be better just to do that. And then you can always go refactor if need be, uh, you know, and, and obviously that statement is up to the situation at hand. Sometimes people are like, no, I want super clean code. And if that's like a priority of the project, then that's a priority of the project. But sometimes you need to band-aid things and that's how you uh, would go about doing that. But at this point, as I said, I'm stumped. And this is where I realized that I was at the gates of tutorial hell because at this point, I had been watching YouTube videos. I had been reading things. I had been looking at the documentation uh, of Svelte. I had been looking through uh, various logs from Bing AI, asking questions. And I'm just taking in, without even really realizing it and without intentionally going about doing this, I'm just taking in theory like crazy and I'm not practicing any of it. And at this point, I was like, okay. I need to weigh my options here. And my three options that I had at my at my disposal, at least I thought at the time, were I thought I need to take a course or I need to restart or I need to ask for help for a help session specifically. So the first one was the very first thing I thought of, again, staring tutorial hell in the face. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I need to build up a repertoire of Svelte slash Svelte kit basics. I need to know... Oh, I need to store something. I should use stores. Oh, I'm messing with values in a form. Maybe I should use bind. Those are things that are not and are still not second nature to me. Some things are getting there, but they're not second nature to me. I don't fully understand how all this stuff works yet. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, maybe this is where I need to be because even invoking um, a submit, I was doing it the felt way, but then someone else had an even cleaner felt way I saw online. I thought, geez, like, even that, like even that needs to be refactored here. So I'm like, not a big deal, but it's like, okay, I need to maybe come up with some stuff here. And another thing that kind of led me to think that I might need to take a course is that I couldn't ask questions on a forum due to lack of knowledge. 
What I mean by that is I can't just post my full app in there. I mean, I can. This is a training project. There's no security concerns. There's no copyright concerns. I'm just playing here. I'm just trying to learn. But I didn't have an even enough know-how to anonymize details as you would in a real production production environment where you would go and ask a question and you would anonymize the details and set up an example scenario. So someone explains the example scenario to you. You then take that solution, assuming it works, and you apply that to the NDA or the, um, the private app is what you do. I couldn't even do that. I can, I can do that in JavaScript. I can do that in whatever, but I, I couldn't do that in, in, in this for this project. I couldn't do that with Svelte. And I thought, okay, I don't have enough foundational knowledge here. And a course might give me that. And also I thought that this sort of foundational learning that a course might give me would allow me to say, quote unquote, think in Svelte. So I would think, you know, I can use a store here. I can use a bind here. Oh, you know, instead of, uh, you know, doing this in, in JS like this, I can refactor and I can do Svelte kit stuff that I am struggling with. And I'm, I don't like, I don't have that knowledge. I don't, I'm not reaching for the right tool right away. You know how, like when you have like a problem with something like, let's say you've worked with windows for your whole life and you're starting having trouble with your computers with your computer. You have a few things you're ready to, oh, I'll check that. I'll go here. Oh, I'll check if it's, you know, detecting the hard drive and I'll try that. I'll try recovery mode. You have those tools at least. And even if you don't know what the problem is, you have something to reach for. I don't even have those. I don't even know where the, the handles are to those doors for potential solutions. I'm just sort of like walking through the dark in a hall and walking through a dark hallway, but there's doors all around me and I can't see them. And I'm like, where, where, what do I do here? Um, so I thought maybe a course would sort of help me get through this. I hesitated with the course though. I didn't end up doing the course because I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm dangerously close to tutorial hell. I'm dangerously close to getting into this situation where, what do I do? Like, I'm going to be in a course for what? Is it a 40 hour course? Is it a four hour course? Is it a six hour course? Is it a 12 hour course? I'm not going to sit there for 12 hours. And then it's 12 hours of topics. Well, am I going to then like remember all that? Well, I'm going to have to practice. Now this passive income app is like miles away. Now it's the furthest away it's potentially ever been short of it not even being concepted because I'm like, I, I'm not going to remember how to come back. And I just came back. I'm going to take a huge hiatus from this again. I'm going to come back and I'm not going to know what the heck to do. So I'm going to have to redo all that refamiliarization. And I'm probably going to do this next option, which is restart. I'm probably just going to restart with my new knowledge. And that was my second sort of thing where I was like my second option where I thought maybe I need to restart. So a lot of the things that I'm doing with this program are already, quote unquote, advanced felt. And that's according to Mike. That's not me saying that as a beginner. Mike was like, you know, these are you're starting to no longer play with things that are very basic. And I definitely got that impression because when I was watching the YouTube videos, they're like, this is how bind works. And I understood it 100 percent. But then I'm like, great. How do I use it here? How do I use it in my program? No idea. (laughs) No idea. Don't know how to ask that question. Like it's over. So then I thought, okay, well, if I restart, what I could do is I could start from my knowledge base. I would build a sort of dumbed down, like half svelte, half svelte kit, half, half, even though these are now three halves, half uh, vanilla JS way. And I would do it with my knowledge, with my understanding. And I would slowly look things up, notice in code snippets, in Stack Overflow and stuff that, hey, that guy did this, that, that way, coded that, you know, whatever thing kind of cool. Does, is that better? Oh, it is cool. And then I would re- slowly refactor. And basically, I would slowly grow from the basic knowledge that I have now th- and then slowly get to be more advanced to where I'm kind of working in right now throughout the project instead of being sort of thrown into the deep end, although I've thrown myself into the deep end at this point. The problem with this, again, is that it's it, it feels like a cop out. It feels like what I'm doing is I'm I'm hitting a wall and I'm just going to restart. And even though that sometimes is the way to do something, if something is very, very, very messed up, I don't even have enough knowledge to determine if it's time to restart at this point. I, I It's like, hey, is this messed up enough to the point where we're going to have to refactor so much that I'm basically redoing it? I don't even know. I don't have that answer. So then it then it becomes a question of, OK, if I restart now, is it just going to become easier to restart later where I'm going to code up a bit? I'm going to get full stack struggles number two out and I'm going to talk about my restart experience and then I'm going to take a bit of a hiatus because I have to work on some other things and then I'm going to come back and am I going to hit this very exact problem again or something very similar and then am I going to restart again because it's easy to restart now that I've done it once and that was honestly my fear and so I thought okay 
I don't want to restart. Like, I'm not opposed to it. I don't want to do it until I get someone to look at it. And this is when I asked for a help session. This is where Mike comes in. And we did a screen sharing session where this was, again, my third option that I weighed in. Asked for help. And Mike basically listened to my goals. I basically told him, this is what I've engineered. This is my idea on the, you know, the good array, the bad array. We're throwing it into either a Svelte store or local storage. Which is, local storage is what I was aiming for at the moment. And I thought this is just temporary, but I want to learn like good data structure and have like a good thing here. You know, how do I do this? And like, do I need a UID? Yes, I think I do. And stuff like that. And you can listen to this. Now, I, I do want to kind of zoom in on something here. Maybe Mike can weigh in on this point before I get into the what happened during this help session. But what was super interesting is like I started thinking to myself, you know, this is the experience of learning Svelte or SvelteKit. Not everyone's going to have the same experience, but I'm coming from a background where I understand how tech generally works. Whether I touch it or not, I generally understand what's going on. I know there's databases, there's servers, there's this, there's that. I work in tech. I'm doing, you know, small to medium business websites for years now. Um, I understand how things generally work. And so this is me coming at him with like, not a junior devs like, hey, I've never coded before and I'm new to computers knowledge. This is me literally saying like, this is like a programmatic way, almost in like pseudocode, but verbally. I'm like, so I've pseudocoded up this solution. Is this okay? And how do we spelt this? And this is a, this is a, a, a direct comparison, I would say, or very close to direct comparison to what we talked about in the last episode where we were talking about TypeScript and we were talking about the difference in, um, learning experience where Mike and I always preach, learn your pillars, your HTML, your CSS, your JS. But then there's also, we were discussing last week, what happens if someone is a programmer and has been a programmer for years working on Windows apps or something like that? And then now they want to come in and learn TypeScript. Do they restart and learn the pillars? It's going to be a totally different experience for them because they're not approaching it going, what's a variable? Like they know I need a variable. I need to store something. I need to loop through an array. I need an object. I have properties. I need to store things. They know that stuff already. And so it's a different experience. I don't know if you have anything to like kind of weigh in on that, Mike. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Like it, when, when you're starting out from a different level in web development or any other language, right? Like when you already have a base level, it's going to be a completely different approach that you take to learning something than when you start out as someone fresh. And it could be a good and bad thing, right? Like when you're coming from an object-oriented language like Java or C-sharp and you're going into JavaScript, the shock there could actually stop you from continuing in your JavaScript journey because everything is done so differently and you have so much prior knowledge that like you can't use essentially now because of the way that objects are formed and the way that uh, types are not defined, um, that you are taken aback and you're, it might actually stop you and stump you in your journey. Whereas if you're coming in fresh, it, it's a completely different perspective. And the tutorials really mostly are meant, like every piece of content out there is mostly meant at someone coming in fresh. So that's another consideration is like they're teaching you a lot of the stuff that you already know. So you might zone out and then it's not as convenient, but the reality is they have to because that's most of the people that are going to be watching their material, right? Like they can't assume your knowledge of, hey, I, I have really good knowledge of this and really good knowledge of that, but not this. They have to teach you from as low a level as possible to get as many people help as possible. So that's another kind of consideration on that stuff. Um, I don't know. It's it's a really kind of tough explanation for those developers that are just jumping in, especially when you're diving into a framework head-on. Because of that disconnect of like, what's the framework and what's JavaScript? And then what's Svelte and what's SvelteKit? And then what's TypeScript and what's Svelte and what? Like, there's so many layers on top of this that I think your idea of like, take a course might have been the right one at the start. Um, only because at some point in that course, whether it be a four hour course or a 10 hour course, whatever, like finding the course, is a whole other compli uh, complicated thing. But at some point in that course, what I think would have happened is you would have seen forms, Svelte for how, how forms are handled in Svelte, and you would have connected that to what you were doing. Mm -hmm. So it's not the bind. The issue, the issue with this whole the problem that we're going through right now, and Matt will explain it late, like in, in the next section here. But the issue that we're going with right now is like 
we're trying to bind values to form elements and then get those values out and put them into the JavaScript and then store them into an array, right? The problem is that the form elements are handled completely differently when it's a form, like an actual form. So that's the disconnect. And I had that disconnect too for a lot of my coding careers. Like I was trying to do some sort of bind with the form elements and stuff like that. But reality is, is that forms are handled differently. And I wouldn't have gotten there unless I would have saw a course that showed me, hey, this is Svelte Forms. And then I connected it immediately. And that's the benefit of taking a course as you're building something. Because first of all, you skip the stuff you already know. So as you're going through, you just pop, 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 skip, skip, skip. And then when you find something that relates to what you're actually doing currently in the, in the, in the application, it sticks like hard. And you get super interested and you immediately want to take that knowledge and put it into your application. And that's the, I always recommend this. Like whenever you're taking a course, make sure that you have something in mind that you're trying to use it for. Not just like I'm trying to upgrade my knowledge, but hey, I need to build this feature. So let's take this course to help me find how to Google properly and how to understand what's that and what's this and help me build this feature. Makes me kind of maybe want to take maybe not like even a Udemy course or something, but it makes me maybe want to just go on like a free YouTube course where it's like a a brief overview. Maybe that's what I really need. And even if I just find a playlist, because I did find uh, a couple of videos and like one one specific instructor that I did vibe with, but I unfortunately don't have the maybe I'll throw it in the show notes. Um, but I just like briefly watched a couple of his formative videos and his sort of teaching style did vibe with me, but I. I didn't know how to extrapolate the knowledge he was teaching me into where I was into what I was doing. But even if I find a, you know, a playlist of a free Svelte course slash Svelte kit course on uh, YouTube and just have that at the ready. And then if I get stuck in the form area, it's like, okay, look up bind, look up this and that. Okay. Let's watch those videos. I don't have to watch one through 20. I can watch number five, number 12, number six, whatever it is, watch those topics and be like, okay. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Maybe this is the experience of going from having those pillars, the HTML, the CSS, and the JS, and then moving on. Maybe this is the way to do it. Maybe I'll try that, and that might be something that I report in on Full Stack Struggles number three, because this is obviously going to keep going. I thought this I thought this whole series was going to be done in four episodes. I feel like it really just isn't, but that's fine. That's good. Um, I'm learning a whole bunch of stuff, and that's uh, that's good. But the session that Mike and I had really sort of solidified some stuff. So, um, again, I explained how I engineered the solution and I just didn't know how to spelt it or spelt kit it. Uh, and I didn't know how to do that. So Mike showed me how to tackle that engineered idea uh, in Svelte and with some JavaScript stuff that I didn't know. So I definitely have some dated JavaScript knowledge, some rusty JavaScript knowledge. He was doing some stuff and I would call, always ask, you know, is that JavaScript? Is that Svelte? Like which parts Svelte, which parts JavaScript? Going to struggle with this probably forever, but it's still like something I want to learn. I always ask over and over again. So we did a lot of that where he was showing me some loops and this is how you use the form element to pull this stuff in. It's like, oh, okay, the parent component has the form element on it and then the fields are being pulled in dynamically, but we're not binding the values of the field. We're using the form. The form can, the form on the parent component can see all of the, the, uh, input elements that we're using, the option elements, the whatever we're using, drop down lists and all that stuff. It can see all those things. And so we bind to that. And then we mess with that and get all the value that way, because the form isn't changing, the fields in the form are changing. So if I select dividends, again, it tells you your yield and your whatever. If I select your rental income, you just have a name and then how much rental income you're making. So it's like, okay, this is starting to click now. That makes sense. I was trying to bind in three, four areas and disaster, like total disaster and literally got nothing done. So I also, when I do JavaScript, even today, I like to use the console a lot. I'm kind of more hands-on, I guess, coder or whatever we ever want to call it. And so I'll like code something up and only half code it. And then I want to see where everything's at. So I'll, I'll not console log it. I literally go into the console and I like, you know, what's, what's variable A doing? What's variable B? What's variable C doing? What are their values? And all that stuff. And I'll try to, you know, see all that just to sort of get an understanding of where, where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I was getting errors for like a day and like a, maybe like a day, day and a half trying to do, trying to do something simple just with vanilla JavaScript in Svelte. And I was like, Mike, like I'm going nuts. 
Like sometimes it's working, sometimes it isn't. So I eventually just coded up the logic and just let the code do it. It was like adding numbers to it or something, like throwing numbers in an array and then running through a loop uh, to iterate through. And I was like, let's just see if it does it. And it kept saying, because I had console log, you know, running or running loop or whatever. And it would show that. But then I was like, I was going in the console and being like, okay, well, that's variable like B. So like, what's variable B right now? I'll try to undefined. I'm like, how and what? So Mike explained that how like there's a life cycle there and like everything's ver- um, locally scopeless felt slash felt kit. And, you know, I'm trying to use console log um, when the life cycle of that variable is already dead, even though some of them were global. It's like, but it's global for the component and this and that. So I'm like, okay, at least I understand that part now. So I can't be as sort of liberal with my console logging as I used to or just using the console as I used to. However, then I think you showed me the debugger statement that helps. So I'm like, okay, I can pause the code and I can then do my little checks. Great. So that's like a fundamental thing where, cause like when I'm Googling that problem, I'm literally Googling undefined error. I have a, like literally I have a global variable that is not defined. What is going on here is effectively what I'm Googling. And it's just like, well, make sure it's defined. It's like, well, it is, (laughs) It definitely is like, what is going on here? But I'm missing the life cycle part of that question. Um, this call also led to uh, led us to re-engineer some of how we handle the form um, or we're thinking about it. So right now we're it's one component per in per input field. And we have like a generic text one. We have like a currency one. But when we're saving it, it gets really cumbersome because it's like, well, is this is this number, which is a currency? Is this a yield? Is this a rental income? Like, what is this? And so we might go, okay, we might have one component per income type and then have it pull in each income type instead. So we'll just have like a rental income type, uh, a dividend income type. And then each of those will literally provide all of the fields for their respective income type rather than um, it all pulling it in because we're pulling it in with props and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's getting pretty wild in there. So <laughs> we might do that. I might play with that. That might be something I maybe I fork off and try or something. Um, we'll see how that goes. And then we also had a discussion on data structure um, and trying to work on a data structure that would work as a stopgap because we know we're not introducing a database yet. We're not introducing the backend code yet, thankfully. But I do want to be ready for that. And I do want to have good practice or at least decent practice that I can correct easily, not just have like sort of random numbers flying around and then be like, well, how does this work? Be like, I don't know. So we have like, you know, a UID that can repeat, which isn't ideal, but like can repeat very low chance of it repeating. But that's, you know, hey, we have a UID. We need that. Hey, we got a name. We need that. We have a number. Great. We have this. Great. And then now I'm thinking of maybe adding something where um, one of the properties like multiplies the stuff together for you automatically so that we everything has in the saved is how much money you'd make per year. And then I can have another thing that reads that and divides it into, you know, this is what you'd make in six months every day et cetera, et cetera, rather than recalculating every single option. But now the ideas are flowing. So what this what this sort of help session really did is solidifies like, OK, we don't need to restart. We might need to re-engineer. We don't have to re-engineer, but we can. And also, like, here's some weird little svelte things that I was getting stuck on that aren't in JavaScript that are I'm gonna just going to say they're hard to Google. <laughs> so they're hard to Google. They're hard to Google for me. I thought they were hard to Google. So those are like those are like fixed and out of the way now. So now I have a direction where I'm going to try to re-engineer one of the forms. I'm not going to leave the other forms alone. I'm going to try to re-engineer one of the forms, just add a third income type called, you know, test or something. If I can engineer that properly, then I can re-engineer the rest, rip out the old code, use the new data structure we have, try to get it to save. Then I'm going to work on pulling it and actually showing it on the homepage. Then I'll work on math. Now I have a plan. So this help session, like, or realistically, it's really like a mentor session. This mentor session, like really like just kind of broke the dam and allowed us to flow. I do want to bring something up here. Clear. Uh, that's key though, is like, I'm not sitting idle when the instant I get stuck. I think it's key that I kept hitting it. And I'm basically like, adding pressure against that dam, like trying to push it out of the way, trying to push it out of the way, trying to push it out of the way. And then Mike comes in and like pulls the dam away. And then like, now all the ideas are flowing. Whereas if I got stuck on just like, do I use Felicate stores? I don't know. I'll just wait for Mike. Now I'm like, now I only know about stores and I wouldn't have all these ideas to work from. 
So it's it's key to like keep learning, keep looking things up because you might end up bursting through the dam yourself. And if you don't, you'll at least have all these ideas, get all of this stuff fixed up. Like my life cycle got fixed up, engineering an idea and Svelte got a little bit better. The list goes on. I've already gone through that. This is why mentorship is so key, but it obviously it's impossible for everyone to have a mentor when you're in your learning journey. But it is if you can get one and if you can get into communities that will mentor you, like micro mentor you, it is super important to try to leverage that. And another reason why when you get your first job as a developer, the mentorship that the developers there will provide you is worth more than the salary that they're paying you at the start. Because a lot of times your first junior developer job is going to be heavily underpaid compared to your next one and the one after that, obviously. But the reality is what you should be looking for above all in your first developer job is a good mentor. And that's hard to find, but it is something you can suss out in an interview process and with just like the first couple of weeks and stuff like that, seeing if there is some mentorship. A lot of times you'll be thrown into the deep end, no mentorship. That's a bad place for a junior developer to be in. Because like Matt found out, that initial like like when you're trying to learn a new technology or when you're trying to go into a legacy code base and you have nothing to go on, what do you Google? Like is this a legacy code base issue? Is this a technology issue? Is this a native issue? Like there's so many different paths that it could go on. This is where a mentor will be like, it's this issue. And then you go and Google that issue and you find out how to do it, right? That saves you – it could be days. And it saves you from having that headache. So it's a huge, it's a huge, huge help to have that kind of mentorship. Not everyone can do it, but it is something that can take you to the next level and really accelerate your growth as a developer. What it, what it basically does is it, it kind of breaks down or it kind of gives you an indication as to what road to go down, but you still have to go down the road. You're not being told, you know, this is what you do and here's all the code to do it. Like Mike, like you wrote me one loop. You wrote up some comments and then you wrote up like you you wrote up like a, a, a little bit of a data structure that we're not going to use. And you just commented it out so I could like have a visual like thing like, OK, this is our thing. And then I I can take that and like extrapolate. The whole point is like I'm still going down that road um, and it's a key like it's a it's key to like let me now struggle down the road, you know, so I can like figure out how to go faster down the road. If you, if you think of it that way, I guess. But at least I'm not like, well, I guess I'll go down this road and there's 400 other ones and oh that's the wrong way turn around okay back down this one like it's just like time is money almost in a way time is learning i guess you could say and so a mentor kind of helps with that but you can slowly uh, but surely figure it out of course but having a mentor is is a huge 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 help so the final thing is just sort of like a final check-in and final progress check-in has the app uh, had any progress uh, no uh, not toward the finish line. However, the things that we have done have all been behind the scenes. We've looked tutorial hell in the face. We've escaped it, hopefully, uh, for now. Uh, and all this stuff, I think, had to be done. I had to have, like, you know, I had experience coming back to an app after a while. I had an experience, you know, being like, I do not even know what to Google. Had all these experiences. And I think that's, that's really, really kind of a crucial thing because, now I've learned this stuff. You know, people always worry about, oh, my God, I didn't get any progress. And I worry the same way. Like I mentioned it in this episode already. I worry about it in the same way. But what has happened here is I've practiced under that condition um, to bring it out of to bring it out of web development. I've been learning golf. I've said it a million times. And like we'll be out in the rain. We'll be out in like bad weather or we'll be at a cheaper course and the greens are bad and it sucks. And, you know, you'll kind of complain at the time like these greens suck or whatever. But. I'm practicing on bad greens. I'm practicing with wet grass. I'm practicing in a bad mood. Maybe I'm just like annoyed that day or pissed off. I'm practicing in a bad mood. I'm practicing under those different conditions. And so this was a set of conditions that made a perfect storm that forced me to ask for help. And I got a bunch of help on a bunch of things and I have a path forward. So is this okay? Is this okay that I've got no closer to the finish line of a completed app? Yeah, 100%. I need to learn how to get out of a situation where I'm stumped. And I need to know how to like dig myself out of that situation. And I need to know when to ask for help and not rely on restarting all the time. Cause I do think that restarting could absolutely become a problem. We see this. I mean, again, to take it out of web development, I see this all the time in video games where people will start a Minecraft world. They'll work on it for a bit. Ah, you know, it's kind of hard to like do that. They'll quit. 
start another Minecraft world and they do it again. And like, that's just for fun. It's not a really, not a problem, you know, like who, who cares, but it's the same concept where it, it becomes easy to just be like, well, the going got tough. I'm done. Whereas like, well, if, if you reach that finish line, how good is it going to feel? Probably pretty good. So uh, I'm going to try to stick with it as much as I can and hopefully not have to restart. We'll see how the NG, uh, the, uh, the re-engineering goes. I'm excited. I'm excited for the continuation of this project, not the finish. I, I want it to continue on and uh, hopefully we have a final product near the end, but that's not the goal for sure. I just, I, I like these mentoring sessions. I'm learning more about teaching and I'm going to be taking that knowledge and trying to pass it on to the community as a whole as well. So the more you ask me, and I know sometimes I don't respond right away, but like as we get on to those mentoring sessions, it just becomes easier and easier for me to teach and find and I get that rhythm. And hopefully we can start, you know, having maybe we can do an online like Twitch session where we do that, like where we go through your issue. And we can have the community weigh in on some of my stuff because what I'm saying is not 100% right all the time either. Like I make mistakes all the freaking time when I'm mentoring you or I'm mentoring anyone else. So it would be great to have the community on to get their feedback and hopefully someone else can learn from those mistakes as well. I'm de- definitely down for that now that I'm starting to get a foundational knowledge. I, I I was interested in thinking I was like, OK, maybe if I put in my title on Twitch, hey, you know, I'm new, please come help. A lot of a lot of devs will come and help. Like you've had people come in and suggest things for you, even though you're experienced and you've had people come into your your streams and be like, hey, try this, try that. The only thing I was scared of without foundational knowledge of which I'm gaining now is that I didn't want to be pulled in two different directions where someone says, always do it this way. And then to the next person goes, never do it this way. And it's like, <laughs> could happen. oh, God, like because I did that with golf for a year and it was a total disaster. And so I'm like, I don't want the same thing to, to happen. I don't want the same thing to happen with this where, you know, I, I understand the golf is just a game, but like, I just, it's the same type of learning curve where this person says, you know, aim this way. This person says never aim this way. And I'm like, well, do I aim in the middle? Like, what do I do? So it's a bit of a, once I have the foundation, then I can take everyone's suggestions and filter them myself. It's basically what I need. I need my own filter. But that concludes this episode of Full Stack Struggles, episode 250, if you've been here this whole time, or even just for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to support episodes like this, you can go check us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. Uh, and many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com, Bib Hashdash from 9blockmedia on 9blockmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se. Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale. Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. And Gunner Brunette via gunnerbrunette.com. And just an FYI, if you do decide to sign up for a $3 tier patron, we reach out uh, usually within a week or two via Patreon. There's a messaging system in there because I think some people do miss that. So I reach out on there and get your information if you do want to be at the end of the show like this. And anyway, anyway, without further ado, this ep- this this episode signing us off. This episode is no, this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All the Things podcast, web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show, and we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings, and we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All the Things, and on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things, signing off.